Are you ready to begin? I am. Hey, what's up? Long time no see. (laughs) This is Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. Let's dive into the syllabus. (laughs) I guess, does this count as like an extra credit? I guess it is. I think this is an extra credit. We just, it's just us. (laughs) <laughs> this time no guest <laughs> spin-off extra credit could not be helped episode yeah and uh and an extra credit that was brought to us by kismet yeah i mean it's like <laughs> as we know we are this podcast is like a little too prescient on the nose of some stuff and it we just are. keeps happening and we have to record these episodes when it comes about. Sad Girl Syllabus is the voice of a generation. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so spread the word, people. Yeah. Um, the gospel of Sad Girl Syllabus. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, today we are going to be talking about a crossover of beautiful Sad Girl Syllabus themes girl boss and cottage core <laughs> i mean and we knew it was coming and it came so beautifully to us <laughs> it's such a world to dive into recently um some stories have broken recently uh, we're at the end of it's may 1st 2022 um so around the end of april um, it comes to light that there's a new cottagecore homewares shop breaking onto the scene. Um, the six bells also like reminds me of the bell jar, mm-hmm. like trying to be, it's very sad girl. Oh yeah. There's also like, is it a restaurant that 10 bells or no, is it four bells? You know, like <laughs> uh, whatever. I don't know. Um, but also in New York. And, and this one is in Cobble Hill in Brooklyn. Oh, jeez. Uh, the s- six bells, um, which, <sighs> yeah, is like a, essentially a homeware store, um, but filled with artisanal made, a uh, uh, high-ish quality I don't know, products. Um, <laughs> a lot of them I think are handmade. And then there's mm-hmm. also um some antiques in there, vintage stuff. Um they all have the cottage core aesthetic, very pretty, um, alongside a very involved narrative <laughs> of a fictional town village um of like 600 people. It's called Barrows Green. And there's like different characters that I guess shop at the six bells. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I'm dying over here. (laughs) It's a LARP. It's It's, fully LARPing. It's fully LARPing. Or like you're about to be involved in a murder mystery dinner party or something. That would be so much more interesting. (laughs) I know it's like, is this clue? Like, what is going on? 
Oh my God. Cottage core clue. We have to publish that. Yes. Sad girl syllabus has yes. to put out some board games. We, we have a party to do. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my yeah, God. And it's, it doesn't say it's in England, but it's obviously in England at an unknown time period. It's unclear what time this is. Is it, Cottage the, court is it is 1920s? Eternal. Is it 1860s? <laughs> like unknown. It never says it's in England, but it has to be because there's like a vicar. Um, oh, <laughs> wait, that's another, that's another like hot priest situation. There's a vicar really and there's sad a girl syllabus, like, <laughs> really on brand yeah um the country vicar uh (laughs) but (laughs) it's brought to us uh by the one the only audrey gelman another girl boss a true girl boss like a true girl boss who did not scam but is shady for sure i mean the wing is sort of a like an MLM scheme so I guess <laughs> yeah oh. so Audrey Gelman for those who do not know is a founder of The Wing which the disgraced is, is was a feminist we work co-working space right it was millennial pink um, you could get a pedicure you could get a latte you could get your work done uh started in manhattan and then they opened a a bunch of different locations or globally yeah. yeah um and in the u.s and it seemed to just be rising in popularity people loved it yeah until 2020 where when it, it was i had a takedown so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the empire fell. Um, now, I'm not really sure. So, like, things had been brewing leading up to 2020. It had always gotten criticism. Like, yeah. it's a pretty easy thing to criticize. Yeah. Because it's, like, this highly, like, feminist-branded organization that started in 2016. Like, I think it opened October 2016, like, literally wow. right before the election. Yeah. And that's um, why it's all it's also in in like um commentary about it and also hit pieces about it. It's called like the Trump era artifact. Right. Um yeah. Uh and and yeah, it was it's like toxic femininity. Yeah. And I right, so the the idea was like this could be a place where the busy working woman could either work from that place or like find a time to like you know in between engagements and also you know create a community with other busy working women yeah it um like gained popularity so quickly like it was an overnight thing Mm -hmm. um you know rome wasn't built in a day but the wing (laughs) fucking was um it was like all of a sudden it was just there. I think that I had assumed for a long time that it had been up and running since like 2012 ish because mm. it also had, um, it had that kind of like tired millennial aesthetic too. Like, yeah, it was very like the, even though it opened in 2016, it still felt like, um, like 2010 ish. 
and like tw- like it, it still felt kind of kind of old or like the style was was kind of tired out mm-hmm. um and but it but yeah it, it soared to popularity I think a lot of the popularity too was like and this also is like a prototype of how people companies use influencers to really uh accelerate their brand mm-hmm. because tons of social media influencers were always there and also they had the like perfect um like Instagrammable, like they made their space very Instagrammable. It was so designed for like people to, um, um, to take pictures. Like they had that color, the, the bookshelf that was organized by color. Right. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. In every every location. What are those things called? A step two or whatever, where it's just step and repeat. Step and repeat. There we go. Step two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where it's just like a space for you to take a selfie. Um, yeah. And that I, it seemed to be, that was what the, a large chunk of the space of the wing was. Um, I've never been in a wing. Have you ever been in a wing? Once. Yes. Yeah. Um, once. Cause, uh, a friend of mine, um, was working for a company that had, um, <laughs> Um, I'll have to tell you the inside scoop off the record, but, um, this company, like, even though there was a huge wait list to get on the wing, cause yeah, there was also an automatic thing, a weirdly automatic thing is that even though the wing had just opened, like there was already a waiting list to become a member. Right. Um, so totally inclusive feminism. That's immediately <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> right. Right. And costs like what? Like 200 more bucks a year for a membership yeah I around there I mean I'm not sure I'm not quite for sure but I think it was like 200 300 right in that range um and and yeah locations all over the country also pretty immediate and and internationally there were a few in England a couple in England or there was at least like one one in in London London. yeah Yeah, by 2018 so anyway like and you needed you had a wait list to get in even though there's like three in Manhattan and like one in Brooklyn and then some in San Francisco and Austin, whatever. Anyway. Um, so, but yeah, basically like this person that I knew, she was working for a company that, um, the owner of the company was like really well connected, um, in like a bizarre way. I don't know what the lady's story is, but, um, and jumped to the front of the line and was able to get memberships for her whole company. And so I went for an afternoon, um, and worked there it was bizarre I went to the Dumbo office um and it was uh right overlooking the East River overlooking the Brooklyn Bridge like just how and I was just like what Illuminati shit went down that this person (laughs) got this warehouse to turn it into a wing um like yeah I don't know when you it it was sort of like when you step into the wing it's sort of like it uh, it's unfortunate but it sort of gives credence to all the to like the elite regime ruling class conspiracy theories like I'm sorry it just does (laughs) um because it's yeah it's just like how did she bag this real estate there was a ton of VC funding, I believe. Yeah. Um, just as a note, of course, mm-hmm. there, it, like, you know, it was, just, it was startup. Um, yeah. 
just like we work yeah. uh, but with this branding of community and feminism and inclusivity yeah um which is so funny yeah well and it what was hilarious to me about it is that like the friend that I was with um had remarked like oh I've never been in a space where it's just women because mm-hmm. you walk in and it, and this one was I'm pretty sure most of them are like this but this one had like three levels there was like the ground level and then like two but everything was like an open atrium so like you could there was like a balcony you could like be on the second level and like look up and see the third level and be on the ground level and see both above you and you can look down you know right so um it was all it was like open floor plan to the max kind of thing um because you could just see everything yeah and just just ladies obviously and my friend was like yeah this is so bizarre I've never been in a place that is just women like I just hear women's voices and all this stuff and I um and I was and I was like oh yeah I guess that would be interesting to someone it's not interesting to me because I went to an all-girls school yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> it's like I've been there done that years, baby uh <laughs> Right. Right. I was just like, oh, this was like my dining hall experience every single day, multiple times a day for like four years. Um, and, uh, but how I will say though, like when I was in college, like, especially my freshman and sophomore year, I was just like, wow, it's all ladies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, that is quite striking. I think that, um, and, and it was an interesting, it's an interesting thing for a girl boss to um to take that kind of a risk because like we're so everything is co-ed now um since the 70s basically everything has been co-ed and when colleges started accepting women um or I mean uh, men's colleges started accepting women went co-ed um and so this like single sex space I I have had critiques I have felt like those spaces should be critiqued however I will say that I had a largely overall positive experience being in a single Mm -hmm. sex school um I think that it's really important for women to understand them each other as competition to each other rather than saying like um just the boys are competition um but but yeah I think that it was like I think that Audrey Gelman probably got um, the funding that she did by like spinning that kind of narrative. Yeah, I think it's also right. It's on the the back of the Me Too movement. Yeah. So it's like this is a safe spot space yeah. for women in business. Um, where like maybe you work in a very male dominated fe- field, um, but here you can be among, I don't know like-minded ambitious women or something yeah, like that yeah which also like and maybe I'm taking this a little bit too far and getting it and getting like just super twisted in my own head but like also that seems to say like that seems to um upend this theory of like women being competition for one another where it's just like actually like you don't want to try starting a business in the regular business world because there are dudes there kind of thing. And like, and I mean, that's, that's like a complicated, that's a complicated thing because it is true that it can be, um, that it can be incredibly toxic and unsafe to right. be in that, be in a space where men are like preying on you. 
um, either to take you down or to assault you. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, there's also going to be, you're, you're going to have competition wherever you go, I guess. Totally. Anyway. I, well, I think about actually what Susan said in the extra credit when she was on. And, um, I thought that was a really interesting sort of relationship that she had within all girls environment, all women environment, mm-hmm. um, which was like, I had always, but also just like general girlhood of like being trained to not always really feel that you could even compete with a man that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily your worldview. You were competing with other women and maybe mm-hmm. you're competing with other women for a man or mm-hmm. for academics mm-hmm. or for whatever athletics like in the school environment. Um, but to see men as like, you're not even on the same playing field, right? right. You're in a different sphere, which right. yeah. Like you said earlier, like can be, it could be good in some ways, like having this all women environment and also, yeah, can foster like this weird negative competition bent. Yeah. And time. I think what, um, I think the difference between like the the wing is different because obviously it's not a school um and the reason why I value my or why I feel positively about my single sex education is because it was a schooling environment and I felt like I was being challenged by other women and my peers and I felt really good like to me it just um it very radically feminized me or like made me into a feminist, um, feminized. Um, (laughs) um, but it, because I was able to, um, yeah, see other women in this, like in this, uh, like they were very intellectual and it was amazing. And, you know, you would obviously see if I'd gone to a co-ed school, I would have obviously also thought the same thing that women were also intellectuals, whatever, but it, it wasn't as, um, like stark. There was just some sort of like ideology, you know, <laughs> like right. nothing is ideology free, nothing is neutral, but, um, but anyway, so being in a school environment, being in like a, uh, developmental environment and mm-hmm. having this experience was positive. It changes when you're in like, sort of this, like, when you're in a business environment it's, and like a yeah. co-working. Yeah. No, I think it's totally different. I mean, like I really couldn't compare like a high school, a girls yeah. school to, which had its, like for me, a relatively toxic competition mm-hmm. atmosphere. But I think that's also the age we are at. Um, also like lots of things about equality, about going to like a place where everyone has to wear the same uniform. There's lots yeah. of talk about that, even though it's like a fucking private school um, <laughs> where some of us were on scholarship and some of us were not. And you knew yeah. who, who was rich yeah. or richer, I guess, yeah. by what cars they were driving in the parking yeah. lot. Um, but other than that, <laughs> no chip on my shoulder. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, it's a totally, it's a totally different um, sphere. And I, I, assume that the wing led to great networking opportunities for people, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. that is a environment where you're going to be able to talk to people that you wouldn't, where that's really encouraged, right? Like Mm -hmm. this, Mm -hmm. these networking business woman opportunities, (laughs) Um, super exciting for them. 
Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that like why an, uh, a single sex education space is is cool is because then you get to go out and be in the real world. Right. And it- I feel like I was um, really pr- like I didn't feel shy about I, I like going into college I was a very shy teenager and going into college I was very very shy and but then like coming out of it like I didn't really feel afraid of being in uh, uh like co-ed spaces like I didn't really feel afraid of, to be in the world um and like working along side by side with men which I know a lot of people will critique single sex schools universities mm-hmm. um in particular as like not preparing you but I didn't feel feel ill prepared and so um and yeah, I think that the wing like takes that as like a positive attribute of like, yeah. you feel really empowered when you're yeah in this like safe space air quotes, like you're in a, a place where like you're, um, you're amongst your peers and like-minded people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like-minded girl bosses. Um, but then it all came crashing down. It did. It did. Beginning, um, well, with the pandemic, I mean, there had been critiques beforehand, but I would say with the pandemic, they furloughed a bunch of employees, um, pretty much, you know, they're the space onsite staff who did day to day. Um, I don't know even what you would call that, but like, you know, people who work at the front desk. Or yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That. And people who work in the cafes, it was all, it was customer service. Yeah. Customer service. Um, who, and you know, they have a largely white, they had a largely white membership and a good chunk of the employees that they furloughed were, um, a black or people of color, you know, like, and weren't their white staff, um, which happened in a ton of different places. So they had that going on. Right. And then, you know, this to me, like they had a couple of incidences where earlier, where mm-hmm. like actually in the Hollywood one, the West Hollywood one, of course, there's a West Hollywood wing. Um, there was an incident with a white, st- um, member and, uh, I think a person of color staff member who something happened. It's like really, I don't think it was really told what happened, but it was mm-hmm. enough that this um, white member was told that her membership was going to be revoked hmm. um, because of how she behaved. And uh, Gilman and the other founder um, backpedaled on that hmm. uh, decision that was made by staff. So that was one big incident, I think, like one marker of an incident. And anyways, then they furloughed all the staff. Um, and at the same time, you know, uh, George Floyd was murdered. And then they vowed that they were going to donate all this money to charities mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, the, in George Floyd's name. At the same time, they had just furloughed all these employees. And never um, paid them. And didn't pay them. They promised them like a $500 stipend in between like April and June. And a bunch of people did not receive that stipend. So they're saying they're like going to give $200,000 or something like that. And they're like, okay, like their staff members being like, but the $500 you told me you'd give me after you essentially, you know, half, half laid me off. I don't know. Um, is nowhere to be found. And you're telling me that you actually, you're reworking it because you don't have the money. And yet at the same time, you're making this big show of a charity donation. Yeah. And, and I remember, you know, after I went the one time and I was talking to a friend about it, immediately after I was like oh my god I just like I've been inside the wing um and 
uh, I'm just remembering this now, but like, um, my, and we were looking at their website and like, their sort of like history of like, they were like, we derive a lot of inspiration from like women's suffrage clubs from, um, the early 1900s, whatever. And we were both like, Whoa, that's like toxic feminism, like white feminism to the max, because again, like to have this, um, uh, idolizing of women's suffrage movements. Um, it was sort of just like without, you know, like that's was such an exclusive feminist thing and has been, you feel like, like you, yeah, if you're going to make that your guidepost or whatever, if you're going to put that on your mood board, you also have to say like, um, like here's how we would change the way that the suffragettes. Right. Would super exclusionary and super racist yeah uh movement you know uh there's a big purposeful turning of the head to a lot of things and i think you i think we can talk about this later see that with six bells too um (laughs) like a real revisionist history type stuff going on um so gilman eventually did step down as um I don't know what her title was, CEO or something. Oh, yeah. Um, had a kid. <laughs> Seemingly, I don't know. I assumed she went upstate during the pandemic. This <laughs> 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 hypothesis. Um, and, uh, and now is back. She has returned um, to, to, the, to the world of, uh, I don't know social commentary (laughs) um she's like doing some real american girl doll shit um um but i just want to wrap up the the wing stuff before we move on to audrey gelman's next venture so i'm excited no it's (laughs) um because it's it's interesting to me and it's intriguing so now like she stepped down as ceo in 2020 the wing still like it's not operational but it's still like a stock Mm. and basically this um this dude named let me find it um mark dixon who is the ceo and founder mark dixon a white man and i'm not and i don't say that to like do the whole like a white white man man, yeah like oh my god he's a white man um (laughs) but i never seen one before No, I actually don't believe they exist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But this is just a fact. So Mark Dixon is the CEO and founder of, hold on, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. um, The holding company, International Workplace Group. That company bought out a control, this is a quote from the Wing article, a bought out a controlling stake in the wing, closing a chapter in the annals of girl boss capitalism that feels increasingly remote. International Workplace Group now owns the wing. And like, I have no idea what it's, it's intriguing. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And, um, that's the status of the wing now. So I agree with you. I bet Audrey Gelman went upstate. (laughs) I mean, that's what the, the store feels like. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's from, it, it should be in Hudson 
or she went to Vermont once and was like, whoa. Uh. <laughs> once. <laughs> I went to Vermont once. So I know. Um, and you know what? I totally like, this is how I feel about it. It's like, I get it. You know, like I, and that's what I feel about cottage core too. It's like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. I like crafty shit, hand making <laughs> cool, like being romantic about that shit. Totally. You know, that's a Make nice, some fantasy. candles. <laughs> I made, I tried. Once. I remember, I remember. It looked insane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember Oops, when we're you- too big. Um, <laughs> did I still give them to people as a very dangerous present? Yes. but like so yeah like that I think some part of me is like hates it so much because I also like understand that there's a dark place inside of me that wants it to some degree you know like a bad (laughs) a bad dark place and I am willing to admit that um (laughs) (laughs) okay go on continue um but the other thing about Audrey Gelman is that she's a former publicist, like a political publicist. Mm-hmm. She knows how to spin a story mm-hmm. and she knows what's popular. Like she really, mm-hmm. you can't discredit how good she is at that. Um, she's good at pivoting and she's good at knowing trends. And so I feel like this is like a real jump on what she sees on Instagram as something that you could easily, you know, cash in on. I just have to um I I just have to like disrupt for like a second just to put in <laughs> here a disruptor. Like, um this this cut article that I'm my browser is on right now um the six bells uh in the like right hand column on the cut and it's it like it has the most viewed stories or whatever and like <laughs> This just feels like everything is so unhinged right now in this like post pandemic 2022 world. Everything is unhinged. Um, number three, most viewed stories is what is histrionic personality disorder? <laughs> like side oh, by side. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it does feel like we're going back into time. All of these things are just like resurfacing from like yeah. 2016 era. Yeah. We I don't know. them. They're back. Uh. <laughs> America is like movie. really grappling with its demons. Um, In a chaotic, chaotic way. <laughs> I, Mary and I are both really love folk horror. One time Mary and I, well, no, one time I hope, I hosted at my apartment a film oh, screening yeah. of Suspiria and Mary gave an excellent presentation on full horror. You did. It was great. Shout out Thank to you. film club, a club that, yeah, that met was once. Really I will want to say we didn't just watch one version of Suspiria. We both watched <laughs> the original and the remake back to back on a weekday night. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, I made everybody suffer through that. <laughs> it was awesome. I had a great time. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was really good. Uh, but I, what I was going to say about full core is that, um, there's going to be like some a 24 
movie made in like the year 2027 about cottagecore <laughs> oh my god or we should make it <laughs> yeah we gotta make that we have to oh make that. yeah yeah <laughs> i'll find some like startupy studio people um in new mexico now that new mexico is becoming hollywood um <laughs> um but anyway so yeah i just had to like disrupt that to be like oh amber heard <clears throat> histrionic person personality disorder um i yeah she is clearly very good at spinning this narrative clearly very good like a very successful businesswoman because she can tell these stories and spin these stories and also like taking it so far as to like I don't know she's effectively I guess publishing her mood board like um it, it, by saying like this is based on this fictional town and like she's and like it seems like her mood board was made on tumblr um like this like rpg larp tumblr <laughs> like 2009 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and yeah, that, that's super weird. But like, I think that the thing is, is that like, um, when you said that like a dark demonic part of you, <laughs> cottagecore, I don't see cottagecore as demonic necessarily. I think that there's <laughs> necessarily, uh... <laughs> I think that there's like what, what the, the cottagecore cottage industry um uh it's it's out of control on social media the aesthetic is out of control um and it is quite interesting there are so many there are so many home goods stores like mercantiles that are now opening up in new york city post pandemic and it's literally just people who went upstate during the pandemic and then they're coming back to new york and then they're like doing this weird shit Mm -hmm. um And I think that that is really dark and really shady and bad Um, because, and we can get into this, um, because it's like selling this fantasy, selling this aesthetic to people who have lots of money, who live in in Brooklyn, live in Manhattan, and like can just like afford all this shit. And it's, it's perverse, but... What makes it, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm also unhinged right now because <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this, but like it, the reason why it's unhinged is like, yeah, all these people like fled New York and, and then we're just like living their best farm life. And they're just like, wow, I love this. I'm so like connected to nature, but then they actually like don't have what it takes to like actually leave. Um, and I don't mean to sound all holier than thou because I, I left, but <laughs> Like, that's not what I'm (laughs) right. That's and I was like, um, yeah, anyway. And I just, I cottage core is not an aesthetic, it's like a real way of life. Well, that's like fine. This is like, I feel like we are like the romantic poets like writing pastorals are like, oh, I love being a farmer or whatever. But there's like no, and even with the like, oh, we value these artisanal goods. But then you have this like little fake story about this village where everything is great. And we're not talking about how that there's like a huge amount of labor involved, mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. is um, a way of life that really you can't have anymore. 
but also like so there's just real romanticizing and glossing over like a history there of um class um and and a lot more right yeah that we're pretending is like great and cool and and super cute um yeah and it's just yeah it's it's like nonsensical and I guess the I guess I, what I see the thesis that you and I are coming to is that it's basically this like uh, monetization of the cottage core aesthetic is like neocolonialism. Yeah. It's just like it's manifest destiny neocolonialism in yeah. this new millennial packaging um, because it's true. And then the other thing too is that like, um, yeah, that, it's yeah. I want to say like the people who are making these products, you know, like especially these ones that are like really labor intensive, like handmade um, artisanal stuff. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have a place where Obviously, they can yeah. like sell their goods and, and make a living off of that. Of course not. It's the pa- way it's packaged, you uh, know, yeah. like, why don't you tell me about the maker of those things? Yeah. Why do I need a fake story about your little town? When there are real towns that are like, Absolutely. Cause yeah. The, and I, and yeah, I, I totally agree with you. There are real towns that are like absolutely cottage core and don't need to be, um, mythologized in any way. Um, like you can also, there is a, I guess there is a way to like uphold the aesthetic through saying like, look how resourceful these people are. And, um, and look how, look how resilient and amazing it is to be able to like make your own butter. <laughs> you know, like that's such a stupid thing to say, but you know, yeah. Like, right. like these people are resourceful. They have, um, they are able to be, to live sustainably. And, um, and that's what should be, that's what should be upheld. Not this, not a mythologized English country town. Um, right. And, and also, I mean, I guess it's just like preaching to the choir, but yeah, you, you can't like, um, uh, oh darn the thought left my head. I had a really good thought. (laughs) I hope it comes back to me. Um, but yeah. And then the other thing too, is that like, there's also what I like, this is really important or has become increasingly important to me. Um, especially as, um, as I live very close, like I, like, Albuquerque, something ridiculous, like 44% of the state's population lives in Albuquerque. Um, and yeah, that's like a huge ratio. And so the, like all the rest of the towns are just, are so small and, um, and, and very rural. And some of them like on certain sides of the mountain are very pastoral and farm and produce a lot. Um, and there's this other, like, and I don't think Audrey Gelman necessarily is doing this, but I, I see it with other cottage core people. <laughs> um, there are some people who are like very visibly or uh, vocally leftist who like want to be like, um, who want to spin a story about like that they're like better mm-hmm. than a lot of people. And they're like also like joining in on this like sustainable living gimmick. Right. And it's just like the, the, are you mythologizing this aesthetic and are you mythologizing this way of life? And then, but trying to bring it into an urban center like New York, Mm -hmm. because you Mm -hmm. actually want to avoid living side by side with Republicans or like far right people. And it's just like, you can't, yeah. yeah. 
you want all the comforts also like of the the, the city in which you can maybe ignore certain things yeah. or it's, yeah, it's not. And I do think that's probably a good chunk of it is like, yeah, probably there's a conservativeness to a lot of the people who live that way of life that probably yeah. is uncomfortable to people. I think there's also a class thing. I'm yeah. sure. Um, I'm sure race also dips into it in a lot of different mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ca- for California, certainly, um, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but you, and there, and there are ways where like this stuff can, you know, like it's not an impossible relationship. Right. Right. Or like, you know, there's a organization up, there's a town that's, you know, like a rural center. It's sort of like middle California, like middle, middle, and it's rural, but it's having a really hard time with its produce, you know, like getting to certain areas. So you do have this like sort of like hip, cool organization, but their main mission is to really just bring the agriculture, like to allow the agriculture to flourish. Yeah. So like they're just creating different opportunities with things that people are already making and already doing mm-hmm. that allow, you know, maybe a visitor to interact with them in a non-gross sustainable way. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, but they're also from that place, you know, they didn't yeah. just like come on it naturally. Yeah. And so there's also, I don't know. There's a, I'm not really saying what I want to say, but it's, I'm, it's May Day. And I have to say, like, th- those interactions are not impossible. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, oh man, I also can't like say too much on the record, but I like <laughs> have, have heard conversations around like, um, groups that I like satellite work with. And where they're just like, some people are of the mind that like, hey, I really want to go and like talk about polarization in this country. And I really want to go to the rural conservative towns in New Mexico that are like outside of the city city centers and like actually hear from these people and like try to defeat polarization in that true grassroots way. And then some people on the same kind of like um, organizational team are like, well, that's not true diversity because you're like you're just like giving the you're like giving a voice to these like white Trump supporter type things. And it's just like, mm. oh, my God, that's never how we're going to like <laughs> that's not how you're going to fix this like civil culture war that's happening in this country is if you like continue to think to think like that. And I do think that a lot of cottage core aesthetic is, yeah, like people have went to Vermont during the pandemic. People went upstate and they and they're like, oh, well, this, the, this group of people, they're conservative, their ideology doesn't fit in with mine, but I'm, but I still like their way of living. And, it, and like, so I'm just going to like extract that way of living and like infuse it back into the city. And that just, that's just going to like be further. Um, it, can, it continues to be divisive. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, you can't like, um, yeah, you're ignoring um why those people have come to political conclusions you're um allowing ideology to like like control your posturing um and yeah and ultimately it's just like yeah Audrey Gelman I don't like would (laughs) never last a day in like a place like 
Moriarty, New Mexico, where you like literally have to dig cow shit. <laughs> and like, and, the, and yeah, anyway. It's just so weird. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. But what a glorious, I felt truly blessed when this story broke. <laughs> I, you send it to me and I yelled. I <laughs> screamed, you know, I was just like, no way. Like, this is like something I dreamed. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> it felt like like a huge joke, but I somehow wrote it and I didn't know, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we will live to see man-made horrors beyond our comprehension or however that saying goes. Um, yeah. Oy, oy, oy. I really like the, uh, again, another cut piece that came out um at the end of april just like a week ago with the six bells she's distilled a hodgepodge of interconnected trends cottagecore and the nap dress sensibility the return of maximalism the explosive popularity of domestic hobbies like gardening and crafting into a coherent and honestly pretty appealing genre of interior decor i also just want to say like that is um it's interesting that this girl boss then goes into this like sphere, like domestic sphere. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's That's just a great point. She's no longer like, yeah, the boss lady. She's, she's in the home. She's a mom. She's got, I don't know. Also, I would say like, you know, yeah, there is like a lot of, the actual aesthetic of six bells is like not mm -hmm. a new aesthetic. I'm thinking like, is it John Darian? You know what I'm talking about? Those stores. No. Oh, well, that's also like very expensive designer stuff. Um, but like a, oh, and his oh, is more I'm like crazy, but um, <laughs> like a little, like more maximalist and like yeah. lots of collage stuff. Um, so like, there's like a look of that design house but to me it has like all a similar vibe of like sort of country-ish eccentric country yeah you know like um oh yeah he has these silk scarves with like a bunch of dogs on it like yeah. hella dog illustrations okay. hella dog. and i there's a, for some reason like a, an attraction to me to those stores anytime i used to walk by them and being like i could never afford any single thing within the maximalist the maximalist wow. aesthetic is really really good yeah. To me. Like I'm like I'm of that taste. I love that. Yeah. I have shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't keep I, I'm a big knickknack fan, you know, like it all makes sense to me. Um definitely, and it is interesting to see the the push against the minimal minimalism trends that have held us so tightly for so long. <laughs> yeah yeah like that's true moving against beige wow I never thought we'd see the day um well and it was funny what were the some of the weird sometimes social critiques and like commentary and, and critiques on like certain movements they get so circuitous that like mm -hmm. I get lost in them like I I'm just like wait I don't get it um <laughs> Um, but I remember there was a critique of minimalism that was like, 
uh, oh man, it was like this critique of minimalism where it was saying basically like if you can af- like minimalism means that you're classist because yeah. you can afford to like if you need something you can just like get it. You, yeah. yeah, and I mean generally, right? The minimalism motto is like less stuff but better stuff, mm-hmm. and so it is like almost like. And so, which is fine, right? That means you're in some ways it's like, oh, it's spending less, but you have the income to begin with to get those things. And then there is like this, yeah, this factor of like elitism by negation. Yeah. Like it's like, I have better taste. I am superior because I don't have all that trash that you have. Right. Right. You know, when, and, and in reality, like what is seen as trash is people are saving things in case they need it because in right. case they fall on something on, on hard times kind of thing. Right. And um, yeah. And that's another thing about like maximalist cottage core too, is like, um, and especially someone like Audrey Gelman, who I assume is like very rich, <laughs> obviously. Um, but there's this, it's weird because it, there's uh, like, there's wartime um, vibes in cottage core, as we talked yeah. about, um, with civil war and stuff like that. But then there's also like depression era, um, mm-hmm. vibes in this and like, and sort of even a little bit into like the world wars, um, or world war two ish, like when you had to save everything, cause you didn't rationing and whatever. And, um, And then it's these people who are like revering that. And like, on one hand, I feel like, I mean, there's an economic collapse that's like waiting to happen. It's just like, it's going to happen. The Fed is printing money like crazy. Housing market. Yeah. Yeah. All those banks laying off their mortgage people. We are in a a bubble that is going to burst imminently. And so it feels anticipatory of that. But at the same time, it's just like, you're benefiting from all of this, like, all of this crazy inflation. And I don't know, there's something there that I don't have a fully formed thought, Mm -hmm. but it's, um, pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't, uh, it, um, I don't know. It just feels ominous to me. Yeah. There is something that's like not disaster porn, (laughs) but in some sort of, it's like almost like prepper. I was mentality. Oh, I was just gonna say that, like about about what's about to happen, but it's still like we're still in the um, fall of Rome, like right before fall of Rome. Yeah. Like everyone's the still decadence. really, yeah, the decadence is still going on. So it's like somehow merging them two, and it's, oh, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's the te- that's the tension, I guess. Is like you're in this you're in this time of like incredible wealth and decadence, but then like preparing for having to ration and stuff. And um, yeah, cottagecore feels like the sad girl version or the feminized version of prepper, like preppercore. I yeah, it does. (laughs) And like you have the dudes with their bunkers and the and the rifles and their beans, and then you. (laughs) And she's stocking a pantry. Yeah, she's learning how to make candles. Yeah, totally. She's got totally. her victory garden out back. Um, it's it is it's some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, 
um I did like the slate article that you sent that was like who oh yeah to- right which was essentially like if we're looking at a town of the size of this fictional town in England um that she says the people of this fictional like in not she says but in the intense writing um of this story the fictional characters of this fictional town go to six bell shop daily so what are they buying daily and that's also that's another thing that is a problem with this like people are not actually the real cottage core people the people who live on farms don't they only go to the market once every two months like does she know that like the mercantile is not like some watering hole place like you go there to get feed that'll last you six months you're not going there all the time anyway okay continue well and then so the author of the article was like looking at I mean, it's a little bit doesn't make sense because one of the things about this fictional town is it's in an unknown time period. I don't know if it's supposed to be contemporary or ye olden times. Um, unclear. Uh, <laughs> but Shrek times. Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> we should do a Shrek version of the six bells. <laughs> Where it's like swamp bells or I don't know, um, six swamps. Um, and it's all swamp themed. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, they she does like a analysis of like current towns this size in England, right? Villages that are like 600 people or whatever. That medium in, median income mm-hmm. in those towns, which is like essentially like 40,000 a year, 45,000 a year. So this means they're spending like, I don't know, like five, like they'd have to be spending like $500 at six bills a month, which is like an absolutely insane amount of money. Uh, But then the author is also like, of course, this isn't the store itself. Six bells is in Cobble Hill where the median household income is more like a hundred and over a hundred, well over a hundred thousand a year right so the the myth of your little small town and the actual like way people the money that people have there versus who you're selling it to um i because I, I was scrolling through this slate article while you were talking about it and i see that this the fucking strategist published yes. about this i have so many bones to pick with the strategist yeah the strategist is just like this new New York magazine column that I guess was born out of um, rec- like a recommendation site for travelers and stuff. And like, and, and it, it's essentially like Buzzfeed where it's yeah. like, we tried these products so you don't have to kind of thing, but now it's turned into this like um, quasi travel blog. Yeah. As well. Yeah. It had like a consumer reports, but like new age, like for the internet kind of yeah. feel to it. But now it's yeah just become it's really it's a weird place and I look at it because it is somehow enthralling a little bit but- it is enthralling I look at it too they also like mythologize the shit out of New Mexico so I'm like uh, I, I know I we have yeah I sent you that one and <laughs> I was like Whoa. uh he does not leave the hotel but he loves New Mexico now um 
his expensive ass hotel yeah. like $700 a night Jesus hotel oh my God. anyway sorry um that is funny and they I think they call it out in the um shit in another article um yeah. where it was like the strategist like call like makes fun of six bells for being like an extensive creative writing exercise or something <laughs> yeah. like that um but then goes on to recommend the items mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. like you should buy this stuff from six bells um, and it feels like the strategist i mean i don't know if anybody has uh affiliate link whatever yeah. with the strategist but it feels like that it's just like yeah and, and it, it very much feels like audrey gelman struck a deal where she was just like oh yeah you can roast me like it's fine like that that's any press is good press kind of thing and yeah. as long as you promote my links and they like make fun of the lemony snicket vibe bookends <laughs> but they still that are 90 dollars. but they still um uh now i'm on the actual six bell site and i'm looking through this a stuff cock is, is there is their little favicon like a like a rooster oh, sorry that was <laughs> like <laughs> I use that word to be like, oh yeah, like this is like something. There's mm-hmm. like some weird like Jungian archetypal, oh. like yeah. I do not at all related, but highly recommend if no one has read it, if you haven't read it yet, I guess to read the Audrey Gelman wedding <laughs> article. <laughs> That'll be in the show notes. It is out of this world. I started scrolling and I was like, wait, when is it? I thought that the italics were, were just like an intro thing. And then it, it just stayed italics. It's all in italics for some reason. Um, it's really weird. Uh, she naturally oh. has her wedding in Detroit. Wait, just, I just saw the thing about the Scully and Mulder cake topper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to die. Wait, that makes me want to die. It's Scully. What's right after that, though? It's like Scully and Mulder kicked up, and then there's like something also insane. Um, the recessional trick daddies. I'm a thug. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Yes. I. Anyways, it's apparently. An in- wait, she's a devoted X Files fan. Oh my god, she I needs guess. to come to the UFO festival in Roswell. Invite her. Get her <laughs> on the pod. Um, get everybody on the pod. Uh. I want to go to the UFO festival. This year is um, going to be the 50th anniversary BTW, of the of the festival itself. Obviously, not the alien landing that happened in the 40s, but right. the UFO festival itself. It's July 1st or 2nd in Roswell, New Mexico. It's a mere four-hour drive from Albuquerque. So, <laughs> come on down, everybody. <laughs> we might do some live reporting from the UFO festival. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. Oh shit. There is an article I was like sort of lovely to see on curbed of all things <laughs> on six bells, but it was written from someone who lives in New York, but grew up in an English village. And they're like, this is so weird to me. And it's actually a little bit of what we were talking about because they were like, you know, I escaped my English village. Cause right. to me, when I think about my English, this English village, I think about being gay bashed in the grocery store, you know, like sort of like small town, like very, uh, there's a lot of like, I would say stereotypes of like small town mindedness. So like to romanticize this world is like just bizarre to me. 
Uh, and then to place it into New York, where a lot of people who have moved there have moved there to get out of yeah, absolutely. that life, you know? Um, yeah, which was really and funny. That is funny. And that's like the, um, that's sort of how it felt. Um, that's how it feels to me whenever I'm like in, in my time when I moved out of New Mexico, because everybody mythologizes the Southwest. And I felt like I, when I was 18, I was desperate to leave. And then it was like repackaged to me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is, there are so many like, um, yeah, just like the, like the desert is like the, uh, the ultimate aesthetic and like, you should always want to like be in the desert. And I was like, this is exactly what I like tried to get away from because it felt like there was no opportunity and like the desert literally is a desert in every way. Like there's not resources to live and you can't like mm. flourish kind of thing. And then you're just like repackaging this. So that's interesting because, and and again, it brings into this, um, this, it, it brings in this theme again into it where it's just like you are repackaging this aesthetic and this myth without grappling with the fact that like like the political just like objective political realities of like these towns that um yeah like you can't hack living like I don't know I don't know yeah it's just yeah it's a revisionist yeah and instead of I guess what to finish that thought I guess what I was trying to say is like you can't hack living next to conservatives because you don't want to actually like go through the work of like like someone like Audrey Gelman who is a privileged white woman and and other privileged white people who are living there it's just like you have the privilege to like move through the world to say like to like change people's opinions about things other people don't have that privilege if they are like queer or a person of color mm-hmm. or whatever they have they have no choice but to get out because right. because their lives are threatened or their or you know and so it's just further divisive anyway yeah <laughs> no i think that's right on um there is i mean i also think that's like a weirdness of this like yeah like it's this pastoral fantasy but it's a mostly white fantasy. I think there's one character who's a black woman, um, which like, but by having this like ye old England times village, it's like automatically this like pretty white. Have you been to the site? Yeah. Did you see their fucking, the like the village like map that she drew? I don't think I paid attention to that. If you scroll down on the homepage long enough, it takes you to, you go through the stories and, or the, oh, I see, like the I see the story. And it's like two. Cranbrook Manor, church and rectory, <laughs> synagogue. I'm sorry. Yeah, there is a synagogue. That's you. There's a rabbi. I mean, you said that the rabbi and the vicar, Yeah. but like, I, I couldn't, I mean, I heard you say that, but I couldn't really <laughs> like process that until I saw it, like illustrated this. No, there is not this is so fucking weird (laughs) well that's the thing it's yeah it's like this like faux utopia but it's set on the basis of like a very historically non-utopic place and colonizers and i don't know it's just like it's it's like so silly to like be like well now it's now it's all good (laughs) 
<laughs> but we're not gonna do talk about any of the stuff that made it bad. We're just gonna pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And we're gonna LARP, LARP. like we're in an economic recession, which we are, but we're also not, yeah. Super, super weird. And um yeah, I mean, maybe it's like also a little bit delusional where people are like, oh, we can adopt this aesthetic because like money is going to just like flow forever. Yeah. And um, like, are people really going to like in the hyperinflation apocalypse, are people really going to be like happy that they bought $140 quarter cushions? I don't. <laughs> maybe they're really comfy. <laughs> Yeah, it's cry into them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a store. It's it's a store. Again, like making story. Yeah, an experience, a world. Like everything has to be its own universe, and like, which of course is because you they want to have many of these stores all across, you know, the states or whatever. Um, Right just immediately tying in the expansion the easy expansion of of the world of the store i'm looking at her um there are so many rooster products there are so many (laughs) cock products uh i'm looking at her antiques section these are like absolutely probably not antiques um Like, I have a hard time believing they are. But if they are, it's just like, wow, she really did spend all of her pandemic time upstate buying a bunch of shit for like, like a lot of these like wooden spoons Mm -hmm. things like she probably got for like 25 cents. And now it's like wooden kitchen utensil set selling for $25. Nice. Oh, my God. (laughs) What a fucking girl boss. (laughs) He's doing it. Oh my Lord. Like this is like looking at her antiques page. I'm just like, I like literally saw like piles of these in an antique specialty mall last week. And they're all selling for like $10 a pop. It's crazy. I mean, it's like urban outfitters on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, I can't believe like back to the point about her wedding, um, in Detroit, that also just like feels super colonialist and exploitative being like this like ruin porn like yeah. <laughs> once the seat of the american empire the american automobile empire I'm like right and they were i think it's at a ford plant um <laughs> yeah and they're like well it goes on to be like they do it like a day of service afterwards and they're like because detroit's so resilient i was like what does that have to do with your fucking wedding That's so freaky. So weird. Anyways, I don't know. It's something I'm going to continue to be baffled at for a long time. I don't feel like I have any conclusions here, but. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no conclusion. It's just, it's so wild how the girl boss to cottage core pipeline (laughs) exists now. Thanks, Audrey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, there's, there's no real conclusion. I guess we've been going for about an hour, so it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
hope you enjoyed. We're we've been taking a little break, but that's just because we're coming out with some great content. Lots of stuff. Um, yeah, so stay tuned and best way to stay tuned. Here we go. My girl boss pitch is to go to sadgirlsyllabus.com and sign up for a newsletter where you're going to hear more about what's coming up um, as well as our Patreon, which will be launching soon. And like rate and subscribe and all that good stuff. Really, truly subscribe. You will be a part of the Sad Girls Club. It's great. And we all cry together. We all cry together and it really like if you get the news straight to your email inbox, you don't have to um, be addicted to social media. We all know that social media sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Sadgirlsyllabus.com. Like Mary said, subscribe and share with your friends. <sighs> Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Bethany.